Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock and roll. Yeah, that is a solace for me. Um, Hearing a bit of music that creates this kind of... uh, invisible dialogue in your mind you know you just have to hear a few different chord changes and how it can create these emotions that that you feel already exist in you but already exist in the music and there's this kind of synchronicity I find that it's just magic Hi this is Lowell Tolhurst co-founder of The Cure and this is Budgie Co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. Lol? Who's our guest this evening? Oh, t- this evening? Uh, you know, it's Simone Butler from uh, Primal Scream. And uh, she also does a lot of radio and all kinds of things she's going to tell us all about. Oh, God. Hello, guys. <laughs> I love you both. It's so great to see you and have you in my eyes and ears. Have you, have you, been, out much, um, have you been out much recently? Me? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, just, I'm kind of out all the time, really. We've been on tour doing shows a lot most of the summer we toured the Screamer Delica album. Oh yeah. We did some stuff in Europe and then went to Japan, which was amazing. Um have you been before? Yeah, I think uh I think back been about twice before. Yeah. It's terrible, isn't it? I can't you know when you just can't remember how many times you've been to a country, it's awful. Yeah. Um and we were like the like the, one of the first people allowed back in because we were working. There were no other British people there. And yeah. as soon as we came back they lifted that ban where you could just go and visit and be a tourist oh, and yeah. go on holiday there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and they're still very much, you know, wearing masks and socially distancing. And there was one gig where there were, all the floor was like gridded out into little squares. So everyone would stand in their square. And of course, in Japan, everybody stood in their square. It would just never happen. Yeah. Because you forget that um, it's uh, the politeness in, in the culture over there yes. is so incredible. Yes. So they, you know, the, there's the clapping when you come on and after each song, and then it's deadly silent. Yeah, because they're waiting for the next track, and I'd forgotten what that felt like. But yeah, I love, I love Jap- Japan and Japanese culture, Japanese food, Japanese. They people. must have been so pleased to see you. Yeah. First time we ever went to Japan, I remember that distinctly. You know, like we we walked out on stage and the place is full with I don't know five thousand people, and and we played the first song, 
and then they they all get up and clap, and then there's deadly silence, and we were sort of looking yeah. at each other like, "What have we done? What have we done wrong?" It hasn't we... changed. They were lovely people, and did you get a lot of gifts given to you as Lots well? Lots of gifts, yeah, really yeah. kind. Of, what funny one funny one was like the humidity out there was unbelievable. It was like New York on steroids. My hair gets really really frizzy oh, on stage, yeah. and I think <laughs> they could see they could see that my hair was just going like ridiculous. And one girl brought me this, like in the photos, and I kept saying underneath like oh god my hair and then one of the girls met me at the hotel and she bought me makeup and stuff she said oh this is for your hair because it's so humid and it makes your hair really smooth and i'm like oh thank oh. you so much they're very thoughtful aren't they they're so thoughtful you know i remember i got given this uh, shirt that fit me perfectly goodness <laughs> knows how they figured that out right and then the other thing was somebody gave me this can of something that looked like it was like lemon drink lemonade drink or it was bath salts and so i i poured a big <laughs> cup i poured a big cup of it you know not reading japanese i poured a big cup of it made made myself a nice drink oh took a big slug and, and it was bath salts oh dear oh dear well it is rock and roll anything yeah, can exactly. happen Exactly. Isn't the one called? Isn't the one a drink called yeah. Sweat? Oh yeah, Picari, Picari Sweat. Oh, yes. Picari yeah. Sweat. I got completely addicted to Picari Sweat because <laughs> it was really, 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 really hot over there. Yeah. But what is a Picari, and does it sweat? You know, a very good um, question. That's why I want to know. I always love the the drawings. I got little like drawings made, like in color, you know, like a cartoon, cart- ah. like sort of um, manga kind of style drawing always really that's amazing really flattering it is yeah so that goes to so much trouble did you when you were with banshees did you tour a lot in japan we did um we, well we were there uh, very early like the early 80s we went over for the first time mm. uh, i remember i remember we got this enemy photo shoot spread because anton corbin came over as like the enemy photographer and he, mm. he was working in color for, for the first time and it was just all uh, pink cherry blossom. Oh God! And it, in typical Anton style, there was like always one person in focus, which was the cherry blossom, <laughs> and we were all out focus. Yeah, yeah. And if I remember correctly, yes, I think Robert might have been on that tour. It may have well have been. Oh really? Yeah. So we were kind of, you know, sort of part cure, part banshees. Yeah. Um, is that the is that the tour with the um? with Severin and the uh, destroyed hotel room and the TV through the window. Is, no, is it wasn't one? a TV. It wasn't a TV. And it, was, it wasn't Severin. It was Miss Susie. Hey. Oh, um, okay. She, she, she was having trouble opening her window on the 25th floor of the, you know, Prince Tower Hotel. Right. And uh, phoned down to reception. And, of course, they said, uh, can't open window. Window, uh, no, mm. it's not allowed. Mm. Suicide. Yeah. Mm. kamikaze yeah. we thought oh no mm. um and so uh she found the telephone which was one of those big old telephones and right. threw it at the window went straight through the window obviously not double glazed <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i love a good th- through the window story well it ca- it continues it continues you see because then there was like you know frantic phone calling. Somebody was calling saying, "We believe something's happened from your your floor." What? Did, what? No, I'm going half German. They weren't. I don't German. know what that accent is. Yeah. No, 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 I have no idea. But Robert burst in. Apparently, wow, what a great idea! My room's really stuffy too. So he went back to his room down the corridor, picked up the same kind of telephone, threw it through the window. 
Then Brilliant. the next people to arrive were the Japanese police uh, and the uh, you know, yes. somebody from hmm. what do you call? It? I was going to say social security, but it would be like. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were under lock and key, uh, threatened with deportation, and that was the last time we went. And we didn't go back to Japan for ten years. Oh, God. oh really? Yep. And I believe that little incident may have had something to do with it, but not a lot was said.、Mm. Have you been Have you been involved in any on tour、um, fun and games、uh, recently? <laughs> <laughs> Christ! What does that mean? Well, that's a leading question. That's a leading question.、Um, what does that mean? Well, I suppose I suppose it might well, requiring the intervention of the law. <laughs> oh God! No, nothing that heavy.、Um, no. Uh, no, nothing.、Okay. I mean, we've had like police. We were in Mexico. Well,、uh, no, we were in Moscow a while back, <laughs> and、uh, we had we did get police escorted、uh, yeah. in, into the venue. Uh, that、right. was quite, like with all the you know motorbikes and stuff in front of us and behind. And, oh wow! But it was、um, nothing untoward.、Uh, but I yeah. I think getting escorted in by the police is good. It's when you're getting escorted out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's not、yeah. good. That's not no, good. no. Got to worry guess, then. Escorted to the airport out of the country. I mean,、um, I think probably a lot more craziness happened before I joined in the bands. You know,、um, they're all pretty well behaved. Now. They're they're they've, they've calmed down a bit, have they? A little bit, yeah, I think so. Yeah, all of one's got like you know wives and children and stuff. So yeah, that'll change things. Hard for me. I think we almost <laughs> met, didn't we? I was, I it was, I hadn't seen Bobby for years and met him backstage at a festival somewhere. I'm going to say like Sweden way. Best, I think it was best kept secret festival. I think when I met you, was that it? I've got a photo. I've got a photo of us. Oh, and and do you know what? You called me from the festival. And said, "Hey, there's Simone here." That's、oh. right, we did. I remember yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, that's my mate.、Yeah. I met you in LA, didn't I, Lol? Like quite a few years ago in, Holly- in Hollywood. Yes. And then Budgie at the festival. So it was, it was the first time I'd seen Bobby in a long, long time. We'd always crossed paths and the, with the scream everywhere. We're always. They, they used to sit in our like a. I remember one time it was we were doing like a rehearsal for a sh- big show. It's probably the last show I did with Susie actually,、mm. and the, the whole the guys were sitting in front holding up scorecards. It's a bit like the cute. <laughs> it reminded me of the、yeah. the cure when the Banshees were auditioning、right. guitarists when the、oh, when、God. the when the band had split and the, the guitarist had run off. Yeah, and the cure <laughs> cure was sitting there like you know judges for the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most brutal way of auditioning. I can't. Oh can't my、imagine. goodness! But they, get, they were very polite,、oh. and they were sitting there. Some of them、yeah. like like Easy Hire or John Henrys or something. John Henrys. Oh yeah. yeah. It was standard it, industry standard. Yeah, it was so lovely to see. And <laughs> you, you were all amazing. I, I'm sure I saw you、uh, at breakfast. I just crawled off the bus. There was、mm. nobody around. <laughs> Probably. I I don't I I you know on tour you try to. Do breakfast, and then when it, you know, when your eyes open, you're like,、oh, food is really not that important. I have to stay asleep, even if it's for another half an hour. I'm definitely not moving unless you bring it to me, yeah, and put it in front of my face. De- I'm not interested. I, I think it depends how noisy. I don't know if you're all travel, you know, one of those big nightliners. It depends if the crew,、yeah. the crew are on board as well, you know. Yeah, they're worse than anyone. 
Yeah. They're always the worst. Certainly worse. They are beasts. Yeah. They never go to sleep. They are the troublemakers. They never sleep. They never wash. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, yes, I noticed that too. No sleeping, no washing. Yeah. <laughs> they snore. Oh my gosh, yeah. They do far more drugs and booze than anyone else. So yeah. The crew break the golden rule, the golden rule of travelling on the bus. Yeah. In the bar, in in the bathroom. <laughs> oh no! Don't go there. No, 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 no. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. No. We all we all travel. To, <laughs> if we get those big buses, you know, with the little bunk. I love the bunk. But if you do get like next to the one of the crew who snore, who one of them does. Bless him. Do you like a bunk with a little portal, a little portal window, like a slidey yeah, thing? I like to see myself going along a little bit in the pitch black there. But I. You just watch the lights go by. Yeah. I like. I just like that feeling of not being here or there, just travelling, and there there being something to go to at the end of it. I, I feel like I've got a bit of a traveller spirit. Maybe I like that feeling of moving. Yeah. How did you start then, Simon? I mean, which it must be hundreds of questions you've been asked bef- before, but how did you get become the bass player in Primal Scream, for example? I I sort of started making up answers to that over the years. Like me and Bobby reached for the same pot of hummus and Sainsbury's, and our eyes met. <laughs> or you know, I yeah. oh, I like that one. I think that's a good <laughs> one. We met over a pot of hummus. <laughs> I was I fought him over the last chicken salad sandwich in Tesco's. Yes, you know yes. the average. Yeah. But no, I um. You know how you? I don't know about you, but I never really get answer calls from numbers I don't know. I just sort of. Sometimes I might, right. and this 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 day I kind of did, right? And um, picked up the phone, and I was in such a bad place at the time. I'd broken up with my long term boyfriend. I'd had to leave my job. It was like, oh fuck everything, you know. Yeah. And um, I um, I got this phone call, and it was Bobby just saying, oh, you know, is it Simone? Are you still playing bass? We're looking for someone to do some Australia dates with us. Do you fancy auditioning? And I, I thought it was someone pretending to be a Bobby. Yeah. I was about to tell him to fuck off, <laughs> which I'm really glad I didn't. <laughs> and then as, it, as he was talking more, I realised it obviously was him. Yeah, he just said, I'm going to Australia. Do you want to learn these three songs, like Rocks, Country Girl and Jailbird, and, and uh, come and audition? Yeah. And um, I, I was literally due to go on holiday for a week the next day. And then I said, like, I'm away for a week, can't change it, but I can concentrate. Well, as soon as I'm back, I'll come and audition. So I went away and I took my portable bass with me, a really ugly thing. It's just like, it's one of those real muso sessiony things that like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like headless. Okay, well, it wasn't, it wasn't the, big, uh, the big P bass. No, 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 it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. Mm. And um, <laughs> I learned like the whole, <laughs> don't get a folk after that, the sack of offense. Um, and I, I learned the whole set of like 30 songs. I didn't really have a holiday. I just thought I'm going to have this. This is my gig. Wow. Um, so I came back and I played the three songs, and then I said, gave him a list of other stuff. I said I know all this, and Andrew's like, "Oh, that's great." Okay, so I played for the whole thing all afternoon. Then they went into the other room, and I was just left there like twiddling my thumbs, going, "Oh, this is awkward." And then Bobby just came in and just said, "Oh, if you're up for it, we'd love to have you." Oh. So that was it, you know. And I know a lot of people auditioned before. Yeah. I think. Like, is that would you say that's like yeah. a, a a bit of a life changer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I'd done lots of bands before on like a small level, you know, played like Reading and Leeds at one in the afternoon. The slot that no one wants to play. Those so, like, the gigs. Twelve, twelve people. Yes. You know, ship breaking, <laughs> hot box in the hot box in the transit van on the way there, living on one bag of crisps.
see, I had I had a, a life changing phone call um, from what the, the chap who said, you know, hi, my name's Neil Stevenson. I manage Susie and the Banshees. Wow. And I'm going like, oh, okay, because I knew the Banshees were on tour. I'd seen the the, the you know with the Cure yeah. on tour, right? Mm, yeah. around Britain. Anyway, so I said, well, what do you want? I said, well, I'm looking for a, a drummer. I said, oh, okay, well, which band is it for? Because I just presume managers had like several bands. Most of the ones I knew at that point, they had more than one band. Yeah. And he, he goes, well, it's for the Banshees. I said, well, well they're on tour. He said, yes, no, they're not. <laughs> and it was, of course, it was before the story had broke. Um, but it was just weird. And yeah, and I, oh, I, wow. I almost didn't, I just thought he was A, having a laugh, and then B, mm. it must be for some band nobody's ever heard of. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, his B or C band. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the contingency bands. Did, did you did you have to like go and audition and learn loads of stuff, or did they just say, "Oh, we want you"? Um, learn as you learn as you go on. I know my 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 audition was there's only because they didn't have a guitarist either. So and they had two two albums worth of songs. Yeah, uh, and the only person that knew anything about what the Banshees did was Marco Peroni. Oh right, yeah, who, right. Who by by then was playing with Adam and the Ants. Adam, yeah. And so right. I'd, I'd met Marco when he was in another band called I think it was in the Models. Um, anyway, that was pre-Adam. Mm. And so Marco came in. He didn't know any of these new songs, and so we just kind of played guitar. And I just thumped. I just like did my best impression of Palm Olive, who right. yeah. was the last person I was imperson- impersonating with the slits. Brilliant. And, Brilliant. Um, and uh, the next thing, we were having drinks in a bar opposite the old Camden Music Machine form, before it was the, the, the uh, Camden Palace. And, mm. I, and all I remember is Severin drinking vodka and orange and Susie drinking vodka and orange. And, <laughs> and I was drinking like a pint of bitter or something. <laughs> and, they, and they were yeah. smoking Rothmans with filter tips. <gasps> and I was, I, I was, I, yeah. I know. And I was, yeah. I was rolling old Holborn. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Keeping it real. And... And no, I don't recall them saying "Yes, you're in," mm. but yeah. I just then I was just there from that point on. It was weird. Yeah. How brilliant! How brilliant! I almost played with bass for Adamant before I joined the Scream. He asked me to join wow. his band, and I was kind of set setting up oh to do it. Oh my god! I know. You're, you're no, you're going to freak out then with what I'm going to tell you. Go because, on. Because about the time he started, you know, when they all started with the the makeup and, you know, me and Terry Lee and that, he asked me to join. He asked me to join. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So we could have been in Adam and the Ants together. God, the super bands just keep coming. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah that was um, no. that was sort of 2011, I think. Oh, mine was considerably but, um, earlier than that. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I said... I turned him down and said that it's all right, Adam. I got got my band. Well, yeah, I fine. was in two. I was also in two minds. You know, I I'd kind of got to know him, and then we we were going to write some stuff together because I write lots, lots of lyrics. He's like, "Well, you give me all the lyrics, and I'll just make the music." And I thought, well, "Hang right. on, can we just get an agreement first? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the the, the uh, it, it went in a different direction, but there we go. There we go. Um, I've been reading. You know, I've been doing my due diligence about you. Oh, no. I, I, I watched the, the trailer for the, the dog movie yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm still crying because of that. Did you see it? It's lovely. Oh, I would have sent you a link. I didn't know you were going to watch no, it. No, it was very, it was very, very good. And it's kind of personal as well for me because little Viola, she was a, a street dog. You know, she was oh, out there. Mm. And yeah. 
we we got her about two months ago and our friend called us up and said you know there's this dog running up and down my street looks all bedraggled and flea bitten and everything and after two weeks they they kind of caught her because she's very fast <laughs> and and they they you know looked for the chip and a tag or anything and they took her to the vet got her sorted out and like you know here if somebody loses a dog they put a, a you know flyers up around the neighborhood there was nothing of that no, no way they could find find out and then she started sending me photos i go i know what you're doing mm. i know what you're doing sending me the photos of the dog we all know where that's going don't we yeah yeah so she came for a trial and that was about uh, two months ago and she's been here ever since because she's lovely but we we couldn't figure out whether she was either a dog of a, an older person who'd passed away or something and the dog just escaped and mm. ran away or whether she was belonged to a homeless person or something we couldn't figure that out oh, that's what really yeah. that's the, the image that touched me was when you were talking to the old guy i think it must have been in london but yeah it was all well yeah. but actually some of it was shot up in oxford and in okay. Edinburgh, but mainly mainly it was london the dog and i think you asked him you know could you do could you be here without your dog and and you it's just like oh. Yeah. Do you remember that? And he just looked at you and went, "I'd be dead." Yeah. What? How did it affect you? You know, because it. I mean, what? When you came away from it, I mean, so it's a while ago now. So you've had a little time to. Yeah. But what, what did you did you feel? You went out looking. The stories about the dogs and the dogs' mm. relationships, but then you met right. all these people as well. Well, yeah, it really expanded my understanding on the reality of life on the streets and um just that how absolutely lonely it is when, oh, when people are literally just walking past you how detrimental that is to your mental health and how much you're just surviving on the kindness of strangers you know and, and that mm. that although it doesn't take much to imagine that to f feel be on the end of that when you sit and talk to someone on the streets for kind of hours and spend days with them and and have these really real conversations where they're actually so open and candid with you you know because we had to be careful that we weren't it, it was it was done in taste because aware that people are that are going to be watching it looking at their story and they're bearing their soul on how they feel much more so than perhaps anyone else you know in front of a camera would be so it yeah and just how much the dog is a lifeline to them you know i mean if you if you can imagine like what life was like before a dog you have and or uh, when it dies you know that void and but what that can actually mean on the streets where you have nothing i suppose that, 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 that it's just their only point of conversation isn't it really yeah and it's a feeling it, it's a um, reciprocal thing of you know unconditional love yeah unconditional love and that that to me sort of brought it home that that's what really keeps us all happy, you know, spiritually. I always heard the thing was if you if you do say something to a homeless person, somebody you want to be kind to, mm. is ask them their name. Yeah. And, and sometimes yeah. it takes a while for them to go, let me think about that for a minute. Yeah. I mean, the very basics that we kind of take for granted, you know, when you're the whole sort of structure of your life is taken away from you and yeah. it's so complex to go into. We could do we a could. whole you know, sure. podcast on that. But it's, um, yeah, it definitely opened my eyes. I wanted to know, you know, what it was like and how they came to have the dog. And, you know, it's, um, 
it is a very complex situation. I think what what dogs in the streets do is very unique, actually. You know, I see it here because there's a lot of there's a lot of homeless people in LA right now. Mm. You know, more than there's ever been since I lived here. And oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. It's sort is that of since, since the pandemic? Did that have a quite a big impact in LA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 had like quite near where I live. We we had like a big. Uh, it was almost it was almost like a village of like a hundred people like living along, alongside the golf course and a, a lot of them got dogs as well you're right yeah. you know and i see what it is because it's like you know every day people walk past you and people don't look at you people don't acknowledge that you're actually here on the planet and the living person you know unless mm. you do something to them in the, and then you know so i i've started asking people their names mm. you know because otherwise yeah. it's like they don't exist you know and they feel that they don't exist and the dog helps them exist because the dog is like you know totally non-judgmental yeah. just loves them for themselves and and that's it and so um it, it also gives that person that it maintains that sense of responsibility and structure to their life right, as well right yeah and they, they yeah. actually will feed the dog before they feed themselves I'm sure you yeah know, and, and it's sort of that's their you know reason to kind of wake up in the morning yeah. the dog always has the the, the comfy blanket and they honestly, yeah, it's that they will be cold, but make sure the dog dog is warm. You know, oh. there's uh, there's so, a there's yeah. a, a a sticker that people put on their cars here, and it's got a picture of a dog, and it it says, you know, who rescued who, right? Uh, because exactly. because you know, yeah, it's yeah. true. Exactly, you know? exactly. And what we did do with, with the filming of that, we didn't did put it in the documentary because it felt a, a bit um just unnecessary but we all slept rough for the night uh mm. in central london uh, a couple of weeks before and it was on the coldest day of the year and it was so cold <laughs> physically so cold we couldn't sleep we were shaking and I, and I just thought when you combine that with actually being asleep at night is very vulnerable for these people and yeah. it's it's when they get mugged or when they get attacked oh, you know that's dear. so they yeah. you could be too scared to sleep at night on the streets and so so cold you physically can't stop shivering that yeah. you can't sleep and then that was a, that was another kind of real you know eye opener i think things that stay with you yeah yeah i can't i mean and and there is you know you kind of do learn this thing where the discrepancy is between rough sleeping homeless and professional begging as well that yeah, there is that right. and i think you know michelle who, who does this she's she spends kind of all her life dealing with this she's in the front line 24 yeah. 7 she'll take calls at three in the morning from people and go it's, you know help it's them. it's difficult here in berlin we the, we have the professional you know people that come out with a very reduced walking stick and a big mac and sort of sewn up with string. It's the type of thing you see as, as kind of caricature of what, you know, somebody who's desperate would look like. But yeah. really, it's the person who, who is just sitting there looking bewildered with no real need, not, not really asking for anything, just mm. uh, with no... I, I spoke to somebody who'd been on the street, and we may all have met somebody, and they said the f when it it changes is when you lose your whole self worth, yourself, you know who you are. Oh. Uh, yeah. you, you could be somebody working in a top job, and but once that you flip to that point of like almost no return, you just lose the. It's not the will; it's just the the who am I?
Oh, I'm loving this. It's it's so nice. It's so nice to have just like a chit chat and, and just sharing lovely, a, isn't it? sharing a Aww. laugh and 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 because when we started doing the podcast, it was like the only chance I've got of of maybe get like a gig feel. You know, you have to oh, be yeah. ready yeah. by like for me, it's nine o'clock. And that, yeah. when you when you're gigging, a little bit of nerves, a little bit of anticipation, a bit of like yeah. do yeah. I look alright. And whatever happens, you've got to wake up and you've got to get on and do it. You know? Yeah, you've got to get yeah. on. Yeah, isn't it weird? Like when you've been on tour, you sometimes in a in a hotel room, like you have the, you have your little kind of thing for the evening, like you're going to eat, and then you're going to have like I don't know half an hour or an hour, then you're going to get ready. Da, da, da. Mm, I probably yeah. got like more getting ready because you know being a girl, hair, shoes, makeup clothes right. p- you know prancing around i'll have to go through all that I, I do i do all that yeah he does he does all you that. Do all that i know you do buddy i just <laughs> no, i just didn't want to assume you know no, don't assume no no no, <laughs> no he does yeah oh yeah. we just got some lightning here oh I- oh we've got thunder now oh, i can hear, can hear it, it. Can you hear it? Oh yeah. Oh, that's that sounds wonderful. Wow. Um, Are you got any scary stories, Simone? Can you tell us a, yeah. a ghost story? Or something? Oh God, I wish I had some go. I can tell you something. It's not a scary story, mm. but it is a supernatural story. Okay. So I, I very, I do very much believe in that we are. I'm not going to get too existential here and too out there, but we are souls, spiritual beings in a flesh skeleton. Yeah. Yes. And when we lose the, the um, physical body, our, our souls transcend this world and we are still in the spirit realm. So this is about, oh, I think it must have been about 17, 18, maybe even 20 years ago now. I'm not, I'm not very good with dates and times, so I'll give you that. And um, my granddad had been ill. And whenever they would come, my grandparents would come around usually on a Wednesday when I used to live at home. I'd always remember my granddad being like, bye-bye, Simone, bye-bye. The way he would say it, it was so, he used to sing Bing Crosby around the house and he was so, he just had this heart of gold. It was mm. such a wonderful, he was in the Navy and he met, he was shot through the shoulder and that's how he met my nan. She was a nurse and oh. she looked after him and then they met and here I am. <laughs> and then I was, I got up at like three in the morning one, one day and um, just went to the toilet and I just felt something behind me and then I heard him as though he was in the room behind me go bye-bye Simone bye-bye and I turned around and suddenly I had all shivers I got goosebumps thinking about it and I just took a minute I was kind of freaked out and then I went back to sleep didn't think too much about it and my mum rang me the next day she said oh you know she was up in tears she was so close to you know her dad and then you know your granddad passed away and I said what time is it and she said oh it's about 3am in the morning I was like, oh, fuck, I think he said goodbye to me. Yeah. You know, it was him. So not so much ghost stories. Right. But I do scare quite easily. I do do kind of like. that's probably why you heard him. I mean, because you're just kind of more in tune. I think that's probably why we do get scared, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I have, you know, my my story is, you know, my mum passed away when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and for years, I just couldn't even think about it. Uh, and I just responded by burying the thought of it and feeling. I'm so sorry. But it's, it's in many ways, it, it's the reason I'm here, you know, because mm. it's, yeah. it kind of puts you on a trajectory that you wouldn't yeah. have been on because nothing matters. What does it matter? What happens? And lots of things do happen. Mm. But more, just a few years 
you know, after maybe the band had stopped and I was traveling, I was actually traveling up to Birmingham. I was going to see my friend Knox playing with Cindy Lauper, of all people. Wow. And I got I was totally <laughs> lost on the ring road. And I looked up and, and the bus in front of me, this double-decker bus, had the number 138 on it, which is the number of the house that we grew up in. I grew up in with the family ha- house in, in St. Helens. Oh, God, so, already I've got goosebumps. So I, I just thought, okay, I'm going to follow the bus. And I followed the bus because it had 138 and I thought, and the next stop, well, a couple of stops down, and there was the theatre, Rec Night on the left. So um, I just signed that down to, it's my mum, you know, and mm. realising that she never really went anywhere. I just, it was me that lost touch, you know. Oh. It was just, she's always been there. There's this thing on Netflix, right? And uh, I can't, I'm just trying to think of the name of the guy. He's like, um, he does, he reads people and uh, he does like readings for people that have, have lost someone and they've crossed over to the other side. Hollywood got caught up on it. And so all the stars were getting their hmm. readings and he was contacting these people that went over. And obviously I thought, oh, well, he, he knows about them already. But then this series is all just regular people. And I watched it and it is, it's utterly, utterly incredible, and it, it actually changed my idea of death. Yeah. Um. And it, what you said there, is like she never really left, is kind of what he uh, reinforces that idea that the spiritual connection that yeah. you have and you create in this lifetime doesn't really end just because you're you're physically not able to experience it. And that wow. that must be a beautiful feeling for you when you feel when you felt that with your mum. Yeah. Like. Because then you're no longer alone, I suppose. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that oh. that solace in music? Yeah, music's definitely saved my life. Like for many reasons, at different points of my life as well. And that sounds a bit dramatic, but um, uh, there's been so many situations where you know, had I not had that kind of inner world that for me music creates, it's like a place that you go to, you know, where um, you can kind of be free to do whatever you want and and doesn't matter how good you are, just the, the total freedom of expression. Um, I think, yeah, that is a solace for me, um, hearing a bit of music that creates this kind of uh, invisible dialogue in your mind. You know, you just have to hear a few different chord changes and how it can create these mm. emotions that that you feel already exist in you, but already exist in the music. Mm. And there's this kind of synchronicity. You tap I find into that it. It's just, yeah, it's just magic. You know, it's magic. And then, yeah. it, you know, a band come along and, you know, you're both, you're both, you've both been part of my two favourite ever, ever bands. Like, completely. Wow. You know, and The Cure... Uh, absolutely one of the bands that have soundtracked the biggest trajectory of my life you know i i just um even from all of the early stuff and and all of the the kind of like 80s and 90s stuff um Mm. they were quite punky well obviously you know like but quite kind of garagey punky like 10 15 is so far away from disintegration isn't it it's just but the trajectory is always they're kind of one of the bands that um i love the most albums of it's funny it's funny you should say on that because right now at the moment i'm, I'm writing a as Budgie knows i'm writing yeah, another I, book i know everything that lol is doing 
Budgie knows everything about me. Yeah. <laughs> I know things Lowell doesn't know he, himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God. I can see your soul. Yeah, can, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> yes. So I'm writing another book, and that's one thing that I talk about for The Cure. Because to me, everything that came from The Cure, especially in the first four four albums, was, was very spiritual, you know? And there's a lot of thought about things outside of ourselves, you know? Somewhere, though, in there, me and Robert parted, uh, you know, ways with that thought yes. process because i remember like when i came back to do reflections in 2011 or whatever i was sitting in rehearsals in brighton and i was having a conversation with I don't know, somebody from the crew or something we we're having a conversation about things and robert became very animated because he's like well that's because you believe in other and and you know basically he doesn't you know it, it's funny that at that point we we split the way we think about things. So um, for me, mm. basically, I, I, I still think that there's there's something outside of myself. It's not just me in the universe, you know. Mm. And uh, I, I, I don't know exactly how Robert feels about it. But, um, mm. but I like that as well. I like it, you know, if people... If people can just believe what they believe and it, it, it's... I think the, yeah. the thing I... That jars me a bit is when people have to police other people's beliefs and what they believe and, yeah. and sort of force their ideas onto other people, which is kind of the world we live in right now. It's all online. Totally. It's like, totally. you know, it's like, well, that you're wrong, so you're cancelled and yeah. bollocks, bollocks to you, you don't exist. It's all a bit... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't deny anybody else's point of view at all. I'm ju I just, you know, it's it's like they're, they're the dichotomy between... Uh, uh, viewpoints is probably what was you know the 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 power that drove the engine oh, that drove right, the system. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like it was you know what was it? Um, Viv's, Viv Albertine said about you know like being in in the slits with like you know having Ari. Ari was like a little bit of sand in in the oyster, you know, that makes uh -huh. the pearl. You know, I think you told me that, Budgie. But it's like I think it's, it's in that book, yeah. Oh, it's in a book, right? I so, it yeah. it's all those things. I think sometimes. So, to my 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 further extrapolation, that's another word me and Budgie <laughs> like to use a lot. Extrapolation uh, to, it, is good. Yeah, I've not heard yeah. that for a while. We extrapolate <laughs> a lot. We just have yeah. like the extrapolation podcast. We, it's yeah. Budgie and Lowell. We could just extrapolate yeah. the whole evening if we wanted. But yeah. you, what, Lowell, what you were saying? Do you think? Do you think the the not getting on in a in a the dynamic of a band do you think that because yeah. eventually that just implodes doesn't it it's the, the it's the death knell when it's the yeah, beginning when of the, the end fun, when the when the fun stops when the laughter ceases yeah. yeah you can sense it but it also has to be the thing that drives it really you know because if you know people like Chris Parry, the Cures manager, always used to say, oh, "I wish I could get a band, you know, of of people that just, you know, like I got the best guitarist, I got the best drummer, I got the best, uh, mm. you know, vocalist, and that, and it wouldn't make a good band because it never does, you know. It's, it's about chemistry, isn't it? Yeah, you could your 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 on stage thing can be as moody as you want, as dark and as yeah. black as it gets, but if if you haven't got that kind of chemistry going on between the 
the the people on stage. Yeah, do you, I remember reading Stuart Copeland's book where he? T- <laughs> I think there's even a picture of it because on his snare drum he's got the he's got the letter S, and on his first mm-hmm. tom it's T, and on the next tom oh, it's right, I right. N G, and he has this great delight in going <laughs> sting. And, and you could tell that there, there, were, there was not much love lost between the members of the police. <laughs> just pictures of their faces on the drums. That would do, well. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're yet to see that. <laughs> I don't mean to say that there wasn't a lot of love in the cure, but there's also, you know, like there, it's not it's not all hunky dory all the time. And the things when it's not hunky dory, it makes the best music. Yeah, those moments are kind mm. of frictions, good, right? Yeah. I'm just I, I, I'm I'm trying to get my breath back. That was such a a, a, a brilliant journey through uh, our collective pasts. I think part two is definitely on the cards. We got so much more to talk about. Exactly. See you next time. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.